Welcome. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on for Parsha with me, Rabbi Teichman, on Sunday Radio on Thursday nights. Uh, first, I just want to explain the past two weeks. Um, there was no share. Unfortunately, uh, my father passed away a few weeks ago. Um, and I wanted to thank, actually, uh, people who listened to this share, who came to be Menachem Avel. Um, uh, those, you know, I don't want to leave anyone out. So everyone, thank you so much for coming. It meant a lot that people traveled um, from all over to uh, bring me comfort. So it's actually very interesting. I, I was thinking, you know, like when I hear that someone is sitting, you know, Shiva, or someone, you know, lost a parent or a child or anyone, a brother, sister, and they're sitting Shiva, um, and they're sitting for the seven days, and I often say, okay, now I'm going to go visit them. And then one thing happens, and another thing happens, and I forget, and this happens, you know. <laughs> Classic how life goes is always an excuse. And I say, no, but there's so many people coming, don't worry, they don't, they don't really need me. And I learned a lot that, you know, at least for me, I'm sure everyone has a different experience. But, uh, you know, Chazal, the rabbis knew what they were doing by instituting seven-day shiva um, and having people come visit people who are sitting and, you know, it meant to me every single person who walked in. You know, especially if I know they came for me, like they didn't know my mother or brothers or my uncles or aunts. They came specifically for me to give me comfort. You know, it meant a lot. It, it felt like I was, every time somebody walked in, you know, my rabbi, my, my rabbis from high school came, and a rabbi of mine from Beis Medrash, who I haven't seen in a while, gave, you know, it felt like I was being given big hugs. All the people who called, you know, you know it meant a lot. So, you know, one, one of my friends traveled all the way from, you know, Boston. You know, good three-hour drive to, to be Menachem Mabel. And it meant a lot, you know, from, to me, four-hour drive, I guess. But it meant a lot to me that he came, and then everyone came, and then whoever came. And so I was just thinking for myself, that's a little bit of a push. Next time I hear that somebody, you know, unfortunately is sitting Shiva, I'm going I'm to be more careful to know that every single person counts. At least um, for me, I know other people might have other experiences. Um, and the best thing to do is just to sit there and show the person I'm coming. You know, and I'm coming to show you that I care about you enough to give up my time to come and, you know, be Menachem you in a, in, a, in a very trying time. Okay, with this, we're up to Parshas Vayishlach. I know I missed Vayetze, um and the Parsha before that, but I'm going to go back to Vayetze for a second. And I want to ask, uh, uh, I want to examine what happens. Okay, Yaakov is now forced to run away. Now, Depends, opinions different back and forth, exactly why Yaakov ran away. His mother told him to, his father told him, go to Lavan, go find a, a shidduch there. But he was afraid for his life also, because his brother, Esav, Esav Harasha, was going to come and smite, smite him down. Well, some opinions hold that Esav wasn't going to do it while Yitzchak was alive, but Yaakov was in danger if he was staying there. And now we get to the story that Yaakov went and it starts this week's, it starts last week's parsha. Yaakov had a dream, right? But Chazal tells us a very interesting thing: that there were, if you look at the time differences, there was a fourteen-year gap, and Yaakov spent fourteen years somewhere. Says the Chazal, where did Yaakov spend that time? He spent there's a yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. in the learning place. The yeshiva literally means to sit yeshiva of place of his gathering. Uh, he sat and he learned. He learned Torah. Now, they didn't have the Torah, but they did have the Torah's ideals. You know, through Kedusha, they could learn out, they could figure out the Torah's ideals. And they did have some sort of form of learning about Hashem's world and things that you could... And that was 
that was what, um, what he did. The yeshiva of Shem Be'ever. Shem was obviously the son of Noach. Um, and they sat, he sat there and learned for 14 years. The question is, and I think this is a, a great question to ask, was Yaakov a bacher? Was Yaakov a kid when he did this? No, he was already a fully formed you know, adult. He was already a very, very big... You know, they says beforehand, beforehand it says in the Parsha, Yaakov ishtam Yosheva alim. Yaakov was a common man who sat in the tents. What does that mean, Yosheva alim? It means that he sat and learned Torah. So why did Yaakov feel, especially when his father just told him, go to Laman. Don't wait, don't go. Go to Laman. Go get married. Go start the next chapter of your life. Why is he waiting for 14 years and sitting and learning Torah? No, obviously learning Torah is important. But he has a job now. His job is to go and get married. Now, why is he stopping along the way? And the answer that Chazal gives is because Yaakov felt that he needed to get himself ready. He needed to get himself ready. When he's leaving now the, the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael, he's going out to Galut, going out outside of Eretz Yisrael, away from his father, away from the Kedusha that is there. He needs to prepare himself. He needs to prepare himself. He needs to get himself ready. And the way to get himself ready is by learning Torah. The way to get himself ready for Lavan, who we see later on in the Torah, really pulled fast ones on Yaakov over and over. And that's the way to get himself ready. And that carries on to this week's Parsha. Because what happens? We have a very cryptic meeting. Uh, uh, he sends, so beginning with the Parsha of Yishlach, Yaakov, Malachim, Yaakov sends messengers to his brother Esav. And one of the things he says, Im Lavan Garti, I lived with Lavan. And I was there till now. Says Rashi, one of the opinions, what does this mean? I sat, I went with Lavan, and I sat there, for, I was there. And, says, that I was with Lavan, but I still kept Tariq Mitzvah. And the question could be asked, is, Lavan was King Terrible. It says, even if you look at the, the Haggadah, right? go to Haggadah, Arame Ovid Avi. It says in the Haggadah that Arame, Arami, Lavan, Ovid Avi, he, he tried to kill Yaakov. He tried to destroy Klal Yisrael. He tried to destroy it from ever happening. You know, and, and you know, Bikurim, the mitzvah of Bikurim is in Eretz Yisrael when they brought the first fruits. When somebody would bring Bikurim in the Beis Hamikdash, one of the statements they would make was Arame Ovid Avi. They would start with that statement that Lovin wanted to destroy Kaliyasro. Lovin wanted to destroy Yaakov. Lovin wasn't a good guy. And what does he say? He says Tar Yag Mitzvah Shamar. What does Yaakov say? During that time, I kept all six hundred thirty mitzvahs. Well, to the best of my ability, I kept, I kept everything that I could. I didn't sway even a little bit. I didn't get influenced even a little bit. Now, I want to talk about peer pressure for a second. Because Yaakov is making a statement to Esav. And saying, listen, Esav, you know, Hashem is with me. I'm still, you know, you're not going to be able to take me down. And I did not get affected at all by Lavan. Now, what is that statement? I did not get affected all, at all by Lavan. What is that statement? Why would he get affected? But let's, let's fast forward to Parsha's Balak, right? Parsha's Balak, we see in a tremendous, you know, we know Bilam 
tried to curse the Jews, and every time he's tried to curse the Jews as they were trying to, you know, he got hired by Moab and Midian as the Jews were going into Eretz Israel to put a stop to the Jewish problem. You know, <laughs> almost like the Jewish problem is not a new thing. We see this all the time. Uh, that, that, and, and that they got, they got, you know, after they were attacked by Amalek, and then, and then now they're about to go into Eretz Israel, and Moab and Midian, you know, mortal enemies get together. They hire Bilam to give curses, and Bilam can't succeed. He is, every time he tries, he says a blessing. You know, this is where we get the famous prayer, Matovu Alecha Yaakov, is from Bilam. And now we are stuck in the history of Bilam. What is Bilam going to do? And he gives one final advice to the Minyanim Go and entice the Jews to do sins. And unfortunately, we see the tremendous, you know, they, there's, you know, all around. They, you know, they, they send their daughters. And they enticed the, 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 the Jewish men to do Averis, to different things. And we see t- terrible calamity. Peer pressure, and, and why? The Jews were on such a high level. Well, how is that possible? And it's very simple. There's peer pressure. There, you can fall, and no matter how high up you are, if you fall into the, the wrong, if you fall into the trap, the Yitzhahara doesn't give up. He doesn't say, oh, he's too, it's too hard. It's a hard, it's, it, you know, the, the, the inclination of a human being to do things that goes with the human inclination of being the nefesh of Bahami, the animal spirit of a human being. It's so strong that sometimes we have to, if we don't continue checking ourselves and holding ourselves against it, we're, we're not going to be able to, to fight it. Sometimes it's going to happen, we're going to do it on Vera. And, and even the Jews were on such a high level, they were about to go into Israel. Yeah, they felt, they felt to it. They felt a terrible sin. Remember, these are the Jews who already stayed in the Midbar for 40 years. What were they doing during those 40 years? Chazal teaches they were learning Torah. They were in Kedushuk Torah. They were Kola guys. They were on the highest level you could possibly be learning Torah all day long. God didn't need them to go to work. They took care of them. All their Parnas was taken care of. They were allowed to just sit and immerse themselves in the holy words of the Torah. And they already got the Torah, so it was a big mitzvah. And yet, they still succumbed. They succumb to the influence. Some of them succumb to the influence. Powerful. So says Yaakov to says Yaakov to Esav, in Lavon Garti, I stayed with Lavon, the worst of the worst. Right? Like we mentioned before, in the Haggadah we say, we start off, Lavon Garti, Lavon wanted to destroy Yaakov, and yet, I'm good. Tayak mitzot shamarti. I kept as much as I, I kept everything. It didn't affect me. Hashem is with me. I, I did not do a single Avera. And just like Bilam said the only way to destroy the Jews was to get them to an Avera, Asa probably was thinking that too. Oh, he was with Lavan? He did an Avera. Yaakov said, no, no, no. Not this time, buddy. I have God's full protection. Unlike the Jews in the Midbar, who unfortunately you know, succumbed to the Avera, and then therefore they, they, that was the... That was a tactic. That was the tactic that Bilam was going to use to destroy them. Um, yet, Yaakov saying to Esau, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to get me. I'm Teflon. Kodesh Baruch is with me. Tarek Shemarti. But, I want to focus on a different like, aspect. Who was Yaakov? He was the son of Yitzchak, who was the son of Avraham who went against tremendous odds to believe in God. He was on his highest level. Avraham, Avinu, 
Yitzchak Avinu. We say Yaakov Avinu. They were super, super, like they worked. They got to the highest level that they could push themselves to get. Is Yaakov really going to be affected by Lavan? Didn't Yaakov know better? Like, I, I always have this question, like, what? He's telling love, he's, we just said, he's telling Esav, mm, I'm good. Why did Esav ever think Yaakov was going to, why did Yaakov think that Esav thought he was going to succumb to love? He's Yaakov. Not going to happen. Yaakov, why would Yaakov ever succumb to love? How is that possible? How would Yaakov ever, like, you know, Yaakov is going to become a worse person because the people around him? Just the opposite. We see that everywhere Abraham went, he brought people up. Yitzchak the same. Yaakov too. You bring light in the room, light in darkness, it makes light. How is the darkness going to overcome the light? How is that possible? And, and you have to, you have to, you have to like think about this. Like, is it really possible that Yaakov get affected? Is the Rashi saying that? It's possible that Yaakov could have been affected by Lavan. That's impossible. How is that possible? And I think the answer is yes. <laughs> it's, it's not even an answer. It's just you, I'm, my, my assumption is wrong. Yaakov could have been affected by Lavan. What got him through that? What, if, what got him through not... Lavan was the power of peer pressure, the power of people around you, the power of people who can affect your everyday life. It's so big of a... It's such a power... It's powerful. You know, Noah... You know, Noah was able to... We spoke about Noah a couple of weeks ago. Noah was able to overcome the people around him, become who he was. You know, there was no superpower. He didn't have his friends to rely upon. But why? Because he, he walked with Hashem. Yaakov, what got, gave Yaakov the edge over Lavan? Because we say it's possible, right? Because if, if it wasn't possible, what is he telling Esau? So the answer is, I think, what we said at the beginning of, the class, of today. Because Yaakov went and learned Torah. That's why he did it. He did it because he knew he was about to go into a situation where he was going to be affected. And he immersed himself in the holy words of the Torah. He immersed himself in Avodah Hashem. He immersed himself in God. And he walked with God in that regard. And that got him through it. That got him through love. You know, uh, I don't want to turn this into a hesped, but you know, you know, I, I think um, you know, throughout my father's life, you know, he had a tremendous effect on everything I did. Everything I do. You know, even my students start saying, like, you know, I talk about my father so much, and I didn't even realize I do. You know, and, and, and the influence he had on my everyday life. And good, good influence, you know. And, and, and peer pressure and, and, and just having someone so positive in my life made, me, made every decision I did better. I think that's a tremendous lesson you have to realize. The people who we hang out with, the people who we live next to, the people who we associate with ourselves, can and will affect us. That's going to happen. There's no such thing. I trust myself. I'm strong. You're strong? Okay, go ahead. Put yourself in the bad situation. Don't come crying to me afterwards. Just, you're not. It's the nature of a human being. We're not malachim. We're not angels. But what we can do is we can prepare ourselves. We can sharpen our swords and get ourselves ready for the battle, the inevitable battle. And there's two ways of doing it. Either we can make sure we hang around with people who can bring us up, 
Or, or, we can immerse ourselves in the Torah. We can immerse ourselves in mitzvahs. We can, obviously, people listen to the share, we can listen to Torah. We could hang out with, with, with people who, who focus on Torah. We can encourage, if we're, you know, our husbands to learn Torah. You know, we can encourage our wives to learn Torah. We can encourage our children to learn Torah. To, to get themselves ready. And, and to, 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 to do this. That's what it is. We can learn from Yaakov that. And, you know, uh, my father, again, uh, I'll take the opportunity of no one telling me to stop, so I'll talk about him a little bit. My father, he was sick, very sick for, unfortunately, a, a little bit of a long, a long time. And he, his eyesight wasn't so good. But, you know, he was retired for a while. And from work, and what did he do all day? He sat and learned. He sat and learned Torah. He had every excuse in the book. His health was poor. He could have just sat there, and and you know, you know, watched TV. He didn't. He could have. He could have had every right in the book if he didn't learn. Every pain, every suffering, he suffered greatly. And yet, even when his eyesight went away about seven years ago. Every, he had a tape on, he learned Torah every single day, over and over again. He once told me he doesn't learn enough. I said, what do you mean? Every time you have a second, you're learning Torah. He said, but I could do more. And he knew that he has to, in order to get himself through what he's going through in his life, the only way to do that is to, to embrace Torah. And that was something that I saw, and it was you know, amazing for me. And also, I, you know, while we're on this subject of peer pressure, you know, life, life as a teenager when I was younger... You know, everyone here remembers what teenagers' life was. It's somewhat confusing. There's this way, that way. I had friends of mine who unfortunately embraced a different lifestyle than, than I chose. And they, they went, you know, off. You know, I hate the word off the derech, but they went away from the path of Torah and Mitzvah. And I could have went that way too. I had, they were good friends of mine. And I was thinking back when I was older, what, what, what stopped me from doing that? We used to hang out together. We used to talk about the same things. Why did I choose one path and they choose a different? And obviously, I'm not, I'm not in the business of being a Navi or Ruch Kodesh. I don't know exactly why. But I think a factor was that you know, my father was a tremendous influence on me. I saw that he loved me for who I was. And, and that was, you know, there was expectations, but there were, were expectations that I think I could have I met. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, it was a tremendous influence on me. And I think we all have the opportunity to influence people around us for the good. But also to know that if we want to push ourselves, we want to be like Yaakov. We want to go away from the, you know, that influence. Then we have to be careful. I want to end off with one puzzling thing that happens in this week's Parsha. One more thing. At the end of this Parsha, we see that Dina was abducted. Dina was taken away. And we all know the story that the Shechem, Shechem, uh, the, uh, I think it was Shechem was the one who took her away. Chamor came to um, Yaakov to ask for Dina's hand for her son. And then Levi and Shimon went, and, you know, they said, you, you have to do a bris and then they went and killed all them. But, but, but I want to stop on Rashi. Rashi says, it says, Vayitze Dina and Dina went out. You can ask a question, we always know that there's different reasons that different things happen in life. So we're not asking why this happened to Dina, we're asking why did Yaakov 
you know, deserve to go through this pain of having his daughter, his daughter abducted. Obviously, that's a different cheshbon. Dina, we're, we're going to focus on why Yaakov. Rashi says, because Yaakov did in Avera. Yaakov held back, hid Dina from Esav, his brother. Esav came to meet Yaakov, and Yaakov put Dina in a box to hide her from the potential eyes of Esav who would claim her for marriage. And now here's the puzzling part. Why was that a bad thing? Because if Dina would have married Esav, then Esav could have done tshuva. Esav could have been a better person. Dina would have influenced Esav. Now, disclaimer. Not saying Yaakov should have let the marriage go through. But when he hid, he didn't even like think about Esav. He did it with, no, no, no way. I'm hiding Dina. You know, I should have done it with such regret. Oh, if I would let Esav see Dina, and Esav and Dina could marry, and Dina could bring Esav up. There's something in there. And then where Yaakov, you know, somewhat got punished for that. It's puzzling. Dina, let's just focus on, I know this whole, this whole episode is very confusing, but let's just focus on one point. Okay, because we don't have a lot of time. Let's just focus on one point. The point is that it sounds like from Rashi that Dina... Obviously, this, this entire Rashi needs explanation, and you know we need to think about it and talk about it and make it make sense. But I just want to focus on one part for this share alone: that Dina could have affected Esav. Could Esav was terrible. I don't need to have to tell you that you guys that Esav was the worst of worst. How is it possible that Dina could have affected him? And the answer is, is I think the Gemara talks about especially a wife could have a tremendous effect on her husband. Peer pressure. The, the being around such a sadekas, Dina was on such a high level, that she would have brought Yasef up. Amazing. The people, I can't say this enough, I say this to my students all the time, the people we associate ourselves with, the people we are around, will change who we are. That's an automatic we see this from the Torah in more than one place. And we need to be careful who we are spending our, times, our time with. We need to be careful what we are putting in our heads. We need to be careful, may I say it, what music we're listening to. We need to be careful what we're watching. That's for you to decide. But I'm just telling you the fact. The fact is it affects who you are. We see that. The question is who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Who do you want your children to be? Right? Because they got affected by you. What do you want your legacy to be? If we could purify ourselves and, and get influenced by the right influencers, you know, there's something I hear now, a new job, Instagram influencer. Right? I'm influencing. What are you influencing? We have a job to be our own influencer, the people around us. And who are we letting influence us? That's a question we have to ask because we know it affects you. The Torah tells us it's, a, it's going to affect you. It's going to make a difference. Yes, you could be like Yaakov. You could learn for 14 years. You could fortify yourself and maybe you won't be. Maybe you'll be able to say at the end, in love on Garthi, Shemarti, maybe you'll be able to say it didn't affect me. But it might have. Yaakov had to do what he had to do. We could choose who we want to spend our time with. We could be careful who we want to influence us. And I think that's a tremendous message. And I think if we take that message, 
and we could really perfect ourselves. That's what we're here in this world, to become better people every day. That's what we're here for. To become the best version of ourselves that we can. If we want to reach that version, we need to understand that everything we do affects us. And we need to be affected in a positive way. With that, I wish you a wonderful Shabbos. Again, thank you so much for everyone who reached out by call, by text, and you know, who emailed, and who uh, you know, came to visit during Shiva. I appreciate the wor- your words and your visits were comforting and meaningful. Again, this uh, this year has been sponsored, I'll say, by me. The Zechonish is my father, Yusuf Adobeesh Ben Avram. And if you would like to sponsor this year, or if you have a question, comment, statement, anything um, about this year, you could reach me at Rabbi M. Teichman at gmail.com. Again, it's R A B B I M T E I C H M E N at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Um, and have a wonderful Shabbos. And a good evening. And we will see you next week at eight, uh, 9 o'clock on Sinai Radio or in the App Store or wherever you get um, App Store at Sinai, Sinai Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us at Sinai Radio Podcasts. Have a wonderful, amazing Shabbos.